The Whiskey Holler, an inside look at what it takes to run a distillery from the grain in the field to the cocktails at your party. Come join me, Gary Lee, every week as I talk with leading experts on every step of the whiskey trail. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of Down in the Holler, an inside look at what it takes to run a distillery from the ground up. We have a really special guest here with us today. I have Chris Fletcher, the assistant master distiller here on the line, to talk to us about what craft really is. And just so you know, he's not just a, an assistant master distiller. He's the assistant master distiller at Jack Daniels Distillery down in beautiful Tennessee. And How you doing? Yep. Good, good. And I understand, Chris, this has kind of been your blood. It, it is. I, I very much grew up around the... Around the distillery, my grandfather was our fifth master distiller here at Jack Daniels, and he started working here in 1957. Uh, of course, that was back when when we were a very small player in the the whiskey world. Um, you know, barely selling probably maybe a hundred thousand cases a year. So, so a pretty small small company back then. And uh, you know, one of the amazing things about my grandfather was. Um, you know how the the brand became so popular, and and he was kind of tasked he and his coworkers were tasked with with making more but keeping everything um to the quality standards that we expect of Jack Daniels. Exactly. And quality is one of those things that I really want to hit on today. So, uh one of the things I wanted to bring up is that when people think of craft, you know, in terms of whiskey, you know, I think of traditional production methods and having as much control as possible in the entire production process. And, you know, that really does fit the bill to Jack Daniels. That's why I really wanted to reach out to you guys. So how much control does your distillery or you have over your production inputs? Well, I think that's a – number one, I think it's a great observation uh, and a great question. Um, that's, that's how we look at craft as well here in Lynchburg, I think. Um, in other words, we want to control – the quality of the flavor of our product as closely with our own hands as possible. And we have our own employees that are in place at each step of the process. Uh, we have fantastic whiskey makers here in Lynchburg. I, I truly believe the best in the world. Um, and I've, I've never seen another distillery. I've, I've been very fortunate in my career. I've worked in a lot of different distilleries. Uh, kind of across the country, across North America, really. Um, and I've never seen another distillery able to control their processes the way we do, uh, and certainly uphold the traditional elements of crafting, uh, a traditional, uh, Tennessee whiskey. Um, for us, it starts, you know, obviously with the grains. Um, we're turning corn, barley, and rye, you know, into whiskey. We're 80% corn, 12% malted barley, and 8% rye. Uh, we freely give out a grain bill. Um, you know, we don't think there's anything to hide there because we're, we're using only number one corn, the best grains we can get. Um, that, that separates us right there from, from a lot of distillers. Um, you know, we only use the most premium grain we can get our hands on. Um, all of our water is, is produced on site out of a spring. Um, that was literally the reason that Mr. Jack Daniel moved here as a young man and started making whiskey. Uh, we still use uh, that water to make our whiskey today. Um, and then, it's, you know, really the, the processes of how we turn that grain and water into whiskey, um, that we do it very, very traditionally in our mashing process. Um, you know, we still use a full 12% malted barley um, because that, that malted grain will convert the starches 
from the cooked corn and the cooked rye into fermentable sugars. Um, not not to not adding any um, you know external enzyme or anything like that. Not cutting any corners. Um, our stills are all 100% copper, um, which which makes a higher quality, more consistent whiskey. Uh, again, not cutting any corners. Not trying to save money by replacing it with stainless steel or anything like that. So, um, you know, th- those are just some of the things at the beginning of the process. You know, we don't even get into the barrel yet in the process. So that's right. Well, you know, in your distillery, it was my inspiration for me when I was shopping for a site to build my distillery. You know, I, I have a micro distillery, and I mean super micro. And, you know, I had to find a quality water source. And that's one of the things that really sets Jack Daniels apart is that, you know, they use uh, in, an artisan spring. It very much is an artisan spring. I've, I've been on a tour with you guys several years ago. But how much, you know, does that water quality uh, affect the finished product? And, and how do you how do you test that? Is that a is that something that you do often? We do. We do. We we check it weekly, um, you know, to make sure that the consistency of the water is what we want. Um, you know, just, I guess, to put it very bluntly and honestly, we're very lucky to have that water source here. Um, you know, there was, there's a very good reason why Jack Daniel, when he, you know, first kind of went out on his own to make his whiskey, that he picked this Cave Spring Hollow to make it. Um, and, and we're very fortunate. The water flows very plentiful. That spring can can put out well over a thousand gallons of water a minute, um, especially when we're in the springtime of the year. Um, so it's an extremely plentiful water source, number one. Uh, and because it does come up from the ground, you know, it's forced through just the layers of limestone here in, in Tennessee, which which strips it from nearly all of the iron content. Um, you know, it, it gives a lot of minerals to the water, which is a good thing um, for sure. our fermentation and our yeast, but a lot of calcium and things like that. But it does remove the iron. And as you know, as a, as a distiller yourself, then uh, iron and whiskey are not a good combination. It will actually not react and turn bitter. So. That's absolutely right, and and you said a uh, thousand gallons a minute. That's that's fantastic. I mean, my spring puts out about between eighty and a hundred. Now, now, do you guys have? I understand you do have reservoirs too. You know, just in case, is that? We do, we do. That's you know, that's one of the things as you know, our brand and you know, I mentioned in 1957 when my grandfather started here. You know, we were selling about 100,000 cases and. Um, it was only sold mostly in the southeastern United States, believe it or not. Um, you know, it, it seems very odd now that, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, if you went to New York or Chicago or, or California, you probably couldn't find Jack Daniels. You know, it was that original product you couldn't find. Um, but as the brand has grown, obviously, um, you know, the things that, that contribute the flavor of our product are the grains, the water, the yeast, and the barrel. And so we do go to great lengths to protect that water source. We we own all of the land that surrounds the spring. There's you know there's no factories that sit on this land. There's no livestock. And then we also tank the water. Um, so we constantly pump water out of this uh, reservoir, um, regardless of the production rate of whiskey. Uh, and so if we're not making whiskey out of it, we're putting it into tanks. Um, so we we have the capability to tank a few million gallons of this water. We want to make sure we uh, always have plenty of water to make Jack Daniels. Oh, that's excellent. And so moving on, I was reading in some other interviews that you've done in the past, and something really uh, stuck out. You know, from a sweet mash to the Stiller's beer, 
I was reading it only takes three to four days, and that's really, really quick. You know, my team, we've been propagating some plants, uh, you know, since last fall, and we've, we've had, you know, terrible luck in finding the right strain. But, you know, sometimes it's it's just luck and patience. Is the strain of yeast that you guys are, are using, uh, was it developed in-house, and is it the same strain that uh, you use for all of your product lines? Yes, um, that's a, that's a great question, and the, you know the yeast. You know our, our friends making beer and our friends that make wine. They talk about yeast all the time and the importance of it on the quality of their products. You don't get it talked about as much with distilling, and I don't know why because yeast literally makes the alcohol, as you know. It, right. it is literally manufacturing the whiskey from from the sugars from the grain, and uh, you know not only that. I personally believe it impacts the flavor. Uh, I think it's the number two impact, the flavor, only behind our barrels here at Jack Daniels. Um, our yeast strain creates a nice kind of sweet, floral, fruity aroma um, that people know immediately as Jack Daniels. Um, so our yeast strain, uh, yes, it is proprietary. It has been here on site. We we can trace it back to our old copper yeast jug, which we still have the jug, um, and it's been around since after Prohibition, which would date it around 1938 here. Um, now, when my grandfather was working here in the 50s, they kept the yeast in the jug down in the creek outside to keep it cool. Uh, and I, I joke, I tell folks, you know, we don't we don't keep it in the creek anymore. We we actually have a lab. We have a yeast lab here, uh, and we have our own microbiologist. His name is Kevin Smith. Um, he's he's a fantastic microbiologist. He's been with the company for years, and one of his key functions and key roles is to assure the quality of our yeast strain never changes. And so. He will actually propagate our yeast. It will stay fresh in a in a liquid media, which has a little a little protein, a little sugar and water in it. It looks kind of like a beer mixture, and he will transfer it into fresh liquid media or yeast food every couple of days to keep that yeast growing and in that log phase of reproduction. And um, as he does that, he will also scale it up every couple of days. So he'll go from a, a very small flask of, let's say, 200 milliliters to to a one liter and then from a one liter to a, a four liter. And then he'll literally take by hand, you know, um, four or five of those four liter jugs into our mashing system every week and inoculate again by hand you know we don't have any uh computers doing this we have a person that does this um that's controlling our yeast strain because because like i say the yeast strain is literally making the whiskey um and you know you see a lot of different things out there now you know freeze-dried yeast is very prevalent uh, in the industry, um, people outsourcing that, um, people sending out their yeast to other companies so they can freeze dry them and send them back. And that's, you know, it's, it's something that we're just not comfortable with um, because, you know, the quality and the consistency of your yeast, you want to control that with your own two hands. And that's Absolutely. why we have Kevin, our microbiologist. Yeah. And that's the attention to detail that, you know, I think a lot of people miss when they're when they're uh, you know looking at at the brands and and considering you know how much care goes into developing a, a product. Absolutely. And, you know, and you mentioned uh, barrels as the uh, you said one of the ones of the number two uh, for for flavoring. And this this really wasn't on the list that I'd given you, but you know what is what is different about the barrels that are produced at at Jack Daniels say versus uh, you know independent stave out of out of Lebanon, Missouri. 
Sure, sure. Well, you know, I've been I've been fortunate. I've I've helped make whiskey from from barrels from from multiple places, um, and uh, I can tell you this: uh, the the big thing with having our own in-house cooperage, uh, we are sourcing that number one ingredient from the from the tree, you know, from the forest. We are actually um, paying for the log foot um, of trees, of oak trees that are harvested you know, around the eastern United States. And from that point on, we control it, right? We are literally taking those logs and we're, we are processing them and cutting them. Our own employees are in our own stave mills, so converting the logs into staves. Then we'll air dry those staves to our own specifications for six months to a year. Uh, and then we will feed those staves into our two cooperages where, again, we have our own people raising by hand 2,000 barrels every day for us. Um, and we are toasting, we are charring these barrels to the exact specifications that we want. Um, we do have a patented toasting process, um, so no other whiskey barrel is toasted like a Jack Daniels whiskey barrel is. And okay. uh, the, the the big thing, there, Gary, that I would say is simply the fact that we are able to control that ingredient from the source, from from literally the forest, if you if you think about it. Um, not to say that you know other companies don't make great barrels. I'm sure they do. I know they do. Uh, but when you get a barrel into your distillery um, that let's say you want a number three char or a number four char, however you specify that barrel to be made. How can you know by looking at that barrel that it was made the way you want? Exactly. So you, and, you can. And so what you know? you're saying is, uh, you know, when you guys go out and you source your lumber, your end state for that barrel is Jack Daniels whiskey, uh, and yes. that's I think the big difference. Uh, you know, based on kind of what I was hearing you say, is that you know your end state's Jack Daniels whiskey, whereas a you know, barrel manufacturer, their end state is just a barrel to sell. That's right. Now, I'll tell you, I, I had the, the same question when I, I bought some barrels from uh, from a barrel manufacturer a few months ago. I had that big question was, well, I ordered a number three alligator char, but how do I know I've got it? And so I had to I had to tear one apart and take a look at it and uh, and then put the head back on it and put it back together. Yep. And, yeah, you you don't want to get in the habit of doing that. No, <laughs> that's right. no, definitely um, not. And uh, you you know I tell you that's that's the thing because. You know, literally, we we have our own Jack Daniels cooperage, uh, and we're getting barrels barrels from them every day. Uh, and you know, we've written the procedures and the processes uh, of how to make our barrels, um, and it's all controlled in house by our company. Um, so we know exactly how that barrel was toasted, exactly how that barrel was charred, and it is such an advantage. Um, and I think it's one of the great things about the current state of the industry. Everybody wants to talk about craft. And I think people that really and truly appreciate um, the hands-on traditional production methods of whiskey making uh, couldn't be a better time to talk about Jack Daniels. Absolutely. And I agree. And that's why I wanted to come up with this blog and these podcasts to actually uh, look at what is craft, because I've seen some pretty non-crafty things happening within the industry. And, and they're, you know, I think in some cases overpriced. And they could uh, they could probably get a, a better bottles of you know Jack Daniels or uh, maybe my product Mountain Made. But again, like I said, you know Craft is really a great product with as you said you know hands-on quality control traditional processes 
and Jack Daniels has really kept kept true to that to that promise, you know, from the ground up. We have, yes, you're exactly right. And so I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about your experience in the industry. You started out as a tour guide at the distillery. Now, how has that shaped you in the way you view your role at Jack Daniels? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, quite honestly, you know, I grew up here in Lynchburg, and uh, Lynchburg, the population is only about 600. And so like most other, I guess, uh, 18-year-olds here in Lynchburg, you know, we think we're going to move away to a big city, right? And uh, I was no different. I was I was in college. I have a background in chemistry, so I was studying chemistry in and, and school. And I, and I would come home in the summers, and, and one year I came home, and I needed a job. And my roommate, um, the fellow that I was, uh, you know, rooming with in college, wanted to come and see Jack Daniels and, and learn how whiskey was made. So we were taking the tour, and just that day the light bulb kind of went off. I thought, you know, heck, I, this would be a great job. You just get paid to talk. That's all you have to do, you know, and um, certainly better than mowing grass in the summers. And so, um, so you know, I, kinda, I got lucky. I went in, and they said, well, you've got to take 20 tours as a tourist. So I had to take all these tours with all the different tour guides and, and, and learn the history and the process. And, of course, I had my grandfather, you know, at home, too, that I could get a little little extra credit work with him, you know. And uh, and so, yeah, I started, I was 19 years old as a tour guide, and I did that for a couple of summers while I was finishing up my chemistry degree. Um, and, it, you know, it really was a great way to start because I got to meet people from all over the world um, and that love Jack Daniels. Uh, and it's amazing. Now we're, we have about 300,000 tourists a year that come to see us in Lynchburg. So um, it, it's such a great uh, part of the business is to be able to, to meet the friends of Jack Daniels from all over the, the globe. Oh, sure. I was actually in Cambodia a few years ago uh, in a, I mean, a really small place, uh, long ways away from uh, Angkor Wat or, or Nansen or anything. And this this little hole in the wall bar on the side of the road, uh, that was one of I think three whiskeys that they had. It was Jack Daniels, Johnny Walker, and and uh, uh, I think one one other brand. So I mean that just kind of tells you the reach of your of your product. It was probably yeah. the last place I think to see it. it kind of made me think of home. So I, exactly, it it, I, it does me the same way anytime I'm on a trip myself. So and I also think it's great too that you know even with your background uh they made you start at the ground up and uh you know you earned where you're at and so my hat's off to you for for going that route now thank you uh, what are your thoughts on the on the dramatic increase of micro or, or craft distillers in the recent years well you know i think it's a great thing i think um well, I'll say this. I, I think folks that get into, uh, uh, you know, making these types of products for the right reasons, um, you know, that, that are interested in the traditions. And certainly, obviously, everyone wants to make their own mark and put their own twist on their own product. I don't, I don't mean that, but I think, you know, upholding the quality of what it means to be Tennessee whiskey, um, you know, and also doing it in the right way and, and marketing their products in a responsible way. You know, that's another thing that we feel very passionately about here at Jack Daniels. Anywhere you see, you know, marketing or, or an advertisement for Jack Daniels, you see a responsibility line as well. Um, so I think, um, you know the micro and the craft distillers that are that are popping up. Um, it's it's a great thing uh, as long as they're you know being done in the right way. And you know I think by in large they absolutely are. Um, 
I know here in Tennessee, we now have, I want to say, at least 30 distillers approximately. Uh, we have a Tennessee Distillers Guild, um, which is amazing. Um, and it's such a, it's really a great group of folks that really care about um, making a quality Tennessee whiskey um, and, you know, all the while, you know, bringing their own innovative ideas and thoughts to what Tennessee whiskey can be. So I think it's a great thing. I think as we drive more interest in American whiskeys in general, um, that Tennessee whiskeys will continue to grow and continue to be considered some of the best in the world. Absolutely. You know, as long as those those micro distillers and those craft distillers are doing the right thing, what they're going to do is just, this is my opinion is overall increased interest in the spirits industry, which, you know, brings everybody up. Absolutely. So we're just about done here. So could you tell us one cool thing about Chris? Besides making some of the finest whiskey in the world, what do you like to do for fun or, you know, maybe one weird fact about Chris Fletcher? Uh, Cool thing. Uh, Well, I'm a I'm a big fan of music. I guess also as a, as a native Tennessean, uh, you know I've got to love live music. So I, I do play the guitar a little bit and uh, yeah, bang around on that and make some noise and play a little mandolin as well. Um, so I, I'd say one of my favorite things to do is is to hear some of my favorite musicians and then I also try to try to make a little noise myself on the guitar. So I'm a bit of a guitar player, a bit of a musician. Um, I don't know how many chemists slash whiskey makers slash uh, musicians are out there, but uh, it's I guess that's my challenge every day is to uphold those three things. <laughs> Amen. I'm I'm with you, and sometimes uh, after a hard day, it's tough to to do that. You know, I I play bagpipes, and and uh, it's a very much a perishable skill. It's kind of like playing guitar. I understand. I understand completely. Sometimes it's hard to find the time to fit it all in, but uh, but I do enjoy it. Now, yeah, I guess that would be kind of the one thing that, that maybe most folks don't know about me. All right. Well, this is the last question, sir. One last thing. Any advice to a would-be distiller that thinks they'd like to try a hand at making whiskey professionally? Oh, well, yeah, that's a, that's a good last question. Um, I do think that that right now in the industry, the opportunities are probably as good as they've been, uh, I, I would guess, since after Prohibition um, with distilling in the United States and, of course, the, the rise of American whiskeys again. Um, so I would, you know, I would say, you know, a background in some sort of science, whether it be uh, chemistry or, or biology or engineering or a combination of them, that helps. Um, and uh, I I would also say um, a respect for the past. Um, you know, my grandfather will be, he'll be 88 in June. And so I uh, just saw him yesterday. And, uh, you know, I take a lot of pride in being able to come to work every day. And um, literally, literally my office is his old office. And I have his old oak wooden desk here that I'm sitting at right now. Um, and so I would say anybody that, that gets started in the industry to understand um, the people that came before them, uh, the things that we say here at at, at Jack Daniels, uh, you know, every day we make it, we make it the best we can. And that's what Jack said in 1866. You will still see it all over the distillery this to this day. Um, so I, I guess that would be my advice for someone starting out. All right. Fantastic. Great advice. Uh, again, thank you for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Chris Fletcher with Jack Daniels Distillery. 
I want to give a big thank you to Ashley Schaffner Fletcher and Brown Foreman for making this interview happen. Join us next week as we engage Tappy USA and get to the bottom of how to top off your craft spirits. This has been the Whiskey Holler, and I've been your host, Gary Lee.